everybody. Welcome to another side quest with Whiskey with Witcher. Today we have a really fun one for you. We're going to be discussing the first omnibus volume of the Witcher comics. But before we do that, Tim, time for the question of the episode. What are we drinking? Well, Valerie, it's one you're familiar with. Oh, I might uh, be a little too familiar with it. <laughs> the whiskey we're drinking this week is Balcona's Blue Corn Bourbon, which, let's be clear, is a bit of a repeat for us like I said, or for you, if we want to get specific. Yeah, you haven't had it yet. I have not. Um, my co-host drank this cast strength bourbon during our recent crossover episode with On the Path. However, at 127 proof, there was only so much she could drink of it, and she confided in me after our recording session that that still proved to be too much. So, of course, we're doubling down on bad decisions <laughs> and reopening the <laughs> bottle, this time so all three of us can drink it and very possibly regret the choice tomorrow morning. But in all sincerity, we did want to try this whiskey just because it's so unique, and it does suit our topic, this side quest. Tonight, we're going to talk Witcher comics, a medium that is near and dear to my heart, seeing how I've written comics, edited them, and have worked in the comic book industry for over 15 years. As a medium, comic books are often colorful and always visually striking, and this bourbon is distilled with a mash bill that is 100% blue corn. The result is a whiskey that's, well, colorful and visually striking. Also, one of the comics we'll be discussing finds Geralt in conflict with a Volpes, a she-fox who is one of the most powerful creatures on the continent. And this whiskey is one of the strongest we've yet sampled. Will it result in us wandering the house like cursed souls unable to figure out the way out, much like Geralt in another of the comics we'll be discussing? Only time will tell. But for now, let's lift a glass for our first episode exploring Geralt's graphic novel adventures. Cheers. Cheers, guys. How is it the second time, Valerie? <laughs> Just as wonderful as I remember, Tim. <laughs> yeah, this one's going to be interesting when we actually talk about it, if we're even able to be concerned <laughs> at that point. Now, you watered yours down a little bit, right? I did, but not very much. Yeah. And it's still pretty goddamn strong. We're going to have to go easy with this it's like one. like a warm embrace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This whiskey may be the death of us, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I survived it once. Barely, but I did. <laughs> and I survived the Witcher comics. So. I know, right? Well, uh, hey, speaking of that, what did you think? Because I've read them before. I've yeah. re I own Omnibus. Well, we both do, but I've read them through once before. But this was your first time reading yeah. these. Well, we'll get into what I think. Because um, I do, I definitely have thoughts and opinions. Um, but first, um, just like I guess, break. Let's break down what this uh, what this omnibus is like, or I guess just kind of the Witcher comics are in general. Now, um, there have been a couple waves of Witcher comic books. Um, the first came out. I don't know the exact year. I probably should have written it down, but it was prior to the Polish um, Hexer series. So it was the first visual representation of um, the Witcher, and it was um, a Polish comic book series written and drawn by a Polish creator, and it was done in the European um, style. So the big sort of, um, I'm going to mess up the name, Bon Dessine. Um, I'm totally butchering it. Everyone's probably laughing at me. But the the big European comics that you've probably seen, if you know anything about, about comic books, it was in that style. And, um, and it was not very well received at first, but on hindsight, people, I think, have come to really sort of like these earlier um, stories, which adapted directly on Jay Sapkowski's um, stories, or at least a few of them. Yeah, it was from 1993 to 1995. There you That's go. when these came out. Yes. Okay. And so that was the first wave. That's not what we're going to talk about. I honestly don't know if those have been translated into English, and they're certainly not readily available out here. So we're um, basically 
talking about the first of the second wave, which um, when did those come out, Valerie? All right. Well, the uh, first, the omnibus is a set of four different stories. So the first story, House of Glass, came out in 2014. It was five issues. Fox Children started in 2015, Killing Monsters 2015, and Curse of Crows 2016. So these are all after the ones you were talking about, but they still predate season one of Netflix Witcher. Yes, yes. Um, And also, um, it should be mentioned for people who um, are um, a little confused about not talking about the season one timeline, but just the Witcher timeline. Um, 2015 was the year Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt came out. So what that means is the first of these comics actually predates the third game. The second storyline came out the same year as the comic. And um, one of them, I think it was Killing Monsters, um, mm-hmm. was was actually a one-off kind of a single issue story that was included as like a pre-order bonus or something like that. So these all very much kind of envelop the release of the game. Since then, Dark Horse has released, I believe, three other comic book miniseries yeah. based mm-hmm. around The Witcher. Um, I believe they will eventually be compiled into an omnibus, but they have not yet been at, as of this, as of our recording this. I think I think there's a library edition on its way, and then usually an omnibus follows that. Um, but you can get those ones as separate storylines. I've not read those. Valerie has. I have. I have not read. There's one that I, I haven't been able to get yet, but I yeah. was able to get single issues for the two, the other two. And I believe the new edition of the Omnibus comes out October 18th, 2022. So there's going to be a collected edition coming out then. That might be the library edition, or maybe you're right. Maybe that's the Omnibus. We'll have to keep an eye out. Um, I'll definitely want to grab it once it's available. Um, It might be the library edition. You might be right. Yeah. Which is in the print edition is a big hardcover. And then I think the Omnibuses are... um, our, our soft covers. And, um, and so it usually follows that. So I think, you know, probably by hopefully by early next year, they'll have all of them available on an omnibus, but heck I read my comics digitally usually anyhow. So I might just di- download those, but it doesn't really matter because those aren't the ones we're talking about tonight. <laughs> um, we're talking about the first four. And so I guess just to dive into it and also I let's set some ground rules for ourselves. I'm assuming a good number of our listeners probably have not read these, so I am not going to spoil anything. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. Throw down an interesting challenge for me. Yeah, I think we can talk vaguely. Yeah, I think we can talk about these in kind of a broad, sort of general sense. Um, give like overviews of what the story is about if we want to, and talk about certain aspects of it. But I'm definitely going to try to avoid spoiling kind of the the you know, the final act of these, because I think, I think my hunch is a lot of people just haven't read them. And Mm -hmm. I think they're worth reading if you are a Witcher fan. I mean, if you're only casual, like you only maybe just watch a show, then I don't know, maybe these aren't for you. But if you're, you love this franchise and chances are, if you're listening to us, you do, um, and you haven't read these, I think they're worth reading, but I also think they are a mixed bag, which you've said before. And you know what? I will say, I think these earlier ones, because I've read the later ones, I think I like these better. Interesting. Story-wise, I yeah, I think the later ones kind of dropped the ball a little bit, whereas these are a bit more cohesive. But we can get into that. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, because I do I do really like honestly, as pure original comics, mm-hmm. um I think I like maybe this first one the best. Same. Um, yeah, House of Glass. Yeah, I think so. Um I like the second one a lot two, but I have issues with that, which we'll get into. But yeah, House of Glass is the first one. Well, let's say it's written by Paul Tobin yes. and Joe 
Kiero is the artist, and Carlos Padilla did colors on this one. And I even wrote down the letterer. It's lettered by oh, Nate, dang, Nate Tim. Piekos. Good um, job. By the way, there are going to be um, some Polish names coming up. <laughs> oh, guys, I yeah. tried. Yeah. I looked. I, I went online. I asked around. Um, it's just a guess. Yeah. So apologies yeah. in advance. Apologies. Like, you know. I tried to find interviews and nope. <laughs> we won't even know if we're mispronouncing the names here. We can't even. I mean, I am 99.9% sure that we're mispronouncing the names. But... So should we just like drink for every time we say, say a name? Just Probably. So... <laughs> Probably. Cause, Especially cause with this, with this whiskey. whiskey, I'm not sure we'll make it to the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, this story has a few characters. I mean, all these, obviously, all these comics center around Geralt. Um, at least right now, I don't know if some of the later ones focus on supporting characters, um, but he's at the core. I think of all of. I, I think you could say of all of them. This first one, it's largely just him, and then some new characters. We have this Jacob. Ornstein, who's a hunter, and uh, I guess the other key characters would be Marta, who is his deceased wife, who has become a Bruxa, kind of, you know. Question and, mark, question mark, question mark. Question yeah. mark. <laughs> and then later on, we're introduced to a character named Vara, Vera. Um, she's a succubus. So those are like the core characters. And largely this story, I mean, I I like it. It's it's very sort of creepy and mysterious, and it you know deals with Geralt. He he meets this hunter. Um, they they hit it off and kind of decide to travel together. He learns a story about his deceased wife, and ultimately they end up. And I didn't realize it was Broccolon Forest, but the description yeah, of same. the comic says mm-hmm. that it is. So I guess they're in Broccolon Forest, and um, and end up getting um, confronted by a Leshen and uh, was it a water hag or yeah, something yeah, like that? Yeah, grave hag. I think. Grave hag. Yeah, yeah. yeah might be the water one of the two um there definitely are hags in yeah. this. <laughs> and um and then they they end up um taking refuge in this this house that's just kind of there in the middle of nowhere and um and you know feels like it's kind of enchanted or possibly cursed or something like that and once they're there they they have a hard time leaving they keep discovering new doors and they keep discovering um new rooms and just kind of new things within this house and ultimately it it becomes a thing like as they're sort of learning what some truths about what happened to these characters both mm-hmm. Jacob and Marta and Vera and um and 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 I don't know I liked like what I find interesting about this comic, the cover of um, the omnibus is drawn by Mike Mignola, who's uh, you know if you're not comic book people listening, he's a he's a just renowned, very popular comic artist and creator. He created Hellboy, mm-hmm. and um, and Dark Horse Comics, who is a publisher of these books, um, they're also the publisher of Hellboy, and that's in a lot of ways kind of their their jam. That sort of you know, supernatural kind of fantasy slash horror. I'm sorry. I am going to have to make you drink for Mignola. <laughs> what? What did I say? It's Mignola. Mignola. You said Mignola. That's always, always, I've always said it. Is it Mignola? I don't know. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> if it's Italian, it's Mignola. <sighs> I've never actually heard him say it. So I'm taking your word on this, but I have so many friends that say Mignola. <laughs> Americans love to mispronounce Italian names mm. and words. <laughs> it is true. That doesn't mean I have to put up with it. <laughs> I mean, like, it's funny. I know a lot of, I've met a lot of comic book creators, but he's not one I've ever met. And I don't think I've ever heard his name said out loud. So um, I'm going to have to go home and watch my Hellboy um, bonus material (laughs) on on the Hellboy DVDs to see if they say it. Well, speaking of Hellboy, though, our artist also worked on Hellboy, correct? So Joe Kiro. 
Yeah. And that's- Hey, Rio, excuse me. I keep wanting to say Kira. See, we're just fucking up names left and right, sure. guys. Apologies to every single person that worked on this book. We are going to mess up your name. Yeah. No yeah. disrespect meant. We could just call him Joe. <laughs> we won't mess up Joe. <laughs> Joe K. Rio. <laughs> Mr. Joe is how I'm going to refer to him because I will fuck up that last name. Um, yeah. He's a great artist. He suits this world well. I My one criticism is I don't love how he draws Geralt, um, but that's just- that's subjective. I love like the monsters and the the supernatural creatures and the environment, this creepy house. It, I love really... the background. He's got so yeah. many funny little background details. Like in this house, there are stained glass windows and paintings and yeah. stuff, and they're constantly changing and morphing in the background to go with the story. So there's a lot of rereadability with this where you read it through once for the main plot, but then you can read through it again and pick up all these little interesting details that are kind of revealing the plot to you as you go. And I just love, like, he's got random panels where Geralt's just in the background, like, taking a painting yeah, off of a wall, yeah. <laughs> looking at stuff. It's so funny. Yeah, you've 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 hit on a lot. Um, just to back up a little bit, but, like, I do want to get into some of what you were saying more. Um, like, he is, um, he has worked on Hellboy books or, or definitely things within that universe. I don't know if he's ever drawn Hellboy proper, um, but he's well-suited for, um, for this sort of material. And that's, I guess, what I was getting to is this first story really kind of has a Hellboy mm-hmm. vibe to it for me. Like it, it reminds me of the classic Hellboy comics. Like it has that sort of feel where, you know, monsters exist. They're just part of this world. People kind of accept them. They, they fear them, but at the same time they'll interact with them. And, you know, like the idea that they'll, you know, like, like there, there's a grave hag or water hag yeah. or whatever she is kind of roaming around outside. And, um, you know, if this was the Witcher three game, you'd rush out and kill that <laughs> thing. If you, at least if you were leveled up, I know it depends it. on your level. Yeah. Um, but like here they just kind of, she's out there, but she's not really coming in the house and she's not really threatening them. She's kind of just being creepy and gross, and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and so they kind of just let her be. And I sort of, that felt very Hellboy like to me for some reason. And I love that you mentioned the stained glass because that's, I think that's, that's part of, by the way, just quick tangent. Yeah. I, um, I couldn't, every time reading this book, I kept thinking, you know, once I fell in love and it was a blast, <laughs> soon found out it was a house of glass. You know, like I just kept, that kept going through my head, so uh, um, which is so not the vibe or the, the lyric. <laughs> it's kind of it's close it's enough close. to that no, goddamn I've lyric. I've done that as well. I understand. <laughs> um, I think I said it was a blast. It's a gas. Yeah, it? gas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I don't know who says that. It's a gas. <laughs> um, Apparently, any- Blondie. <laughs> Anyhow, um, um, I think it's called House of Glass because of these these stained glass yeah. windows, mm-hmm. and I find that. That was such a cool sort of conceit because um, they change. This glass changes and they kind of reflect things that um, like they'll be talking about something in the foreground and um, the stained glass Mm -hmm. that's kind of there in the background, which sometimes they'll give its own panel is sort of um, an extension of that. And sometimes we'll reveal truths behind what they're saying. You know, they use it to really cool effect. And I think it's just a a great idea for a static medium. Like it's, you know, it's almost like perfect for comics for something like, um, print, you know, print books, you'd have to describe it. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. quite be as effective and film. It's just like, it would work, but you know, you're used to things moving. And just, so just seeing these quick shots of, of, 
of glass images mm-hmm. would just be a little distracting. But comics, it works perfect. So it was a great idea. And um, and you're right, th- that sort of detail that uh, Mr. Joe brings <laughs> to it is um, is amazing. Um, and credits to um, Carlos Badia as well for the colors and just the moody coloring that he gives us. I think it's really cool. Um, one other little um, weird, t- like, you know, along with the Blondie thing is um, this character of, of Jacob, the hunter, like the one thing I, I I couldn't get past with this character, just talking like physically, is um he looks a little like Alan Moore. Oh really? Do you know, do you know who Alan Moore? <laughs> I is? know who he is, but I don't really know what he looks like. He I don't think I right, pick him out right, of the lineup. All right, so I actually put a grabbed a, fi- a picture of him on my phone so you could like see <laughs> what Alan Moore looks like. So producer Sean, if you could pass this down to, to Valerie. So she could see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, I see what you mean. I, I don't know why he looks so much like Alan. I mean, I know why. Because he does. Yeah. I don't know. I, I got to imagine that's just a weird coincidence. But I just kept seeing that yeah. every time this character was there. And he's such a big character in the story. And um, I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay but he looks kind of like Alan Moore. Why does he look <laughs> like Alan Moore? <laughs> so... Um, so anyhow, you know, that was the other thing that sort of distracted me about him. But his his banter with Geralt was great. Like, I love that that sort of relationship they have. Yeah, there's these comics on the whole are all very funny. Yeah, like they're very they're very humorous. The characters are witty. The, even the succubus gets some good lines oh, in there. The succubus I love. Yeah, like she's probably my favorite of all of them. There's so much going on between her and Geralt yeah. in the story. Um, like, you know, there's sometimes it's clear he's not, he doesn't fully trust her. Yeah. But then there are other times where, you know, you could tell he totally wants to fuck her. And, yeah. then, and then he eventually does. I hey, thought we weren't talking about spoilers, that's, Tim. Is that a spoiler? I mean, it's not a big, big, you know. Like, I think, I think you know, unless we're talking about like um, – um, basic instinct, sex yeah, is not right. a spoiler. You know? <laughs> so, um, so we can, um, you know, we could, we could talk about that because that's one thing I'll say about these comics. They do not skimp on the sex. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, take note, which your Netflix, <laughs> but, um, yeah. what did you think of Vara? Oh, she was fun. She had some great lines. I wrote a few of them down. I really enjoyed her. Um, such a romantic. You always know the wrong thing to say, oh, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, that's why I said the banter was yeah. it was great. Jacob had one that I laughed at, which was, no man can understand a woman, not ever. Their reasons are too mysterious, too chaotic. We must accept them for what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I remember there's one um, story. I, I didn't write it down, so I'm not going to be able to... Um, say it verbatim, but there's one time when he asks, um, Jacob asks Geralt for like a story. Like there's a lot of just kind of good discussion about love and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and romance. And, and he asks like, um, Geralt for a story of like, you know, romance, but not one, not some, some, you know, one night, you know, affair he paid for with coin. Mm-hmm. Or so, and he starts, he starts telling a story about, you know, about basically him sleeping with, you know, a sex worker and like paying her, but then she left <laughs> her and that's his, his story that he tells. <laughs> um, and then even after that, he says, you know, I carry those coins to this day and Jacob's like, well, it must be true love then and walks off. <laughs> and then Vera asks, are those the same coins? And he's like, I don't know. Could be. I spent them, but they could have come back to my purse. You know, you never know. <laughs> and it's just the kind of like the way they sort of all interact with yeah. each other. I think it's kind of cool. And and even the fact that like like you see Geralt like 
I don't know. He fights. He kills a drowner at the beginning of the story. And um, and I think he fights with the Leshen. But I don't think other than that drowner at the very beginning, I don't think he kills a monster in this one. Does he? Like, do you recall? Ooh, does he kill the Leshen? I um, don't remember. No, no, I don't think he does. Yeah, they just run, like he leaves. Yeah, he kind of runs away or leaves, and he said said he could deal with it or something like that. I think at the end, um, that's not really a spoiler. That's not what the story's about. But like, um, um, I don't know that he fights it at one point, but he doesn't. He doesn't defeat it, and they go back inside, and he kind of just leaves the yeah. the water heckle. I guess he kills some of those. Whatever those things are, zombies or whatever. Oh, in yeah. The, the there's basement. Like yeah. A basement full of weird zombie people. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he does. But like, there's not a, like, there are some big monsters that, you know, a witcher would normally, you'd expect them to kill. And he just lets them be, including the succubus, you yeah. know, like he, he's never really comes off as a threat to her. And they actually, you know, kind of befriend each other and, um, and eventually hook up. So it's like, you know, um, I kind of like that, you know, it just shows the, the different sort of approach he takes to mm-hmm. witchering. Um, so yeah, I thought the story was great. I don't have too much to say about this one other than that, like, um, and certainly you can go into it, but my last thing would be, I'd say like, if you're going to read these witcher comics, this is a, the perfect one to start with. Start at the yeah. beginning, start with the first one. Um, but it is also worth mentioning um, just really quick is um, these are also standalone. You can, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to read them in order. So I think that's worth saying too. But, um, but if you want to read them all, this is a good one to start with, or even just want to read the good ones. This is <laughs> definitely one of those. Um, well, speaking of other comics, do you want um, to talk about the second one in the book? Fox yeah, children. Yeah. I didn't know if you had more to say. Nope. About okay. Yeah. We can move on to the second one and um, same creative team yeah, as the first one. Yeah. Exact same creative team. Um, this Paul Tobin writer, I don't know his work, but he's a pretty solid writer. Um, I know I, I looked him up and he's definitely done stuff, but nothing that I've personally read. Yeah. So. He's done some Marvel stuff. He yeah. also has done some adaptive stuff. So the yeah. Witcher is not his first video game comic. He's also, he did plants versus zombies yeah. and angry birds. <laughs> not, um, he is, <laughs> yeah. He, he won an Eisner for best digital comic in 2013, 16 that, yeah. and 17. Yeah. Um, so he's pretty for, prolific. He is. He is. But it's just like you, you hear Plants vs. Zombies and Angry Birds. Yeah. And that's nowhere near Witcher. So it's interesting that they they tapped him for this. But they, you know, they made a good choice because the the ones that he's directly responsible for, for I think, are all really solid. Um, and I enjoyed them. And yeah, again, Joe, Mr. Joe, <laughs> Joe Cario, Cario, Cario ah, God damn it. See, that's why I'm not going to try to I think it. it's Cario. Cario. I think I was just stumbling over it at the beginning, but I, I would guess that it's Cario. Well, he's great. You guys should look him up. Um, but I'm just going to call him Mr. Joe because I don't want to keep butchering his last name. And for someone who's half Mexican, you'd think I'd be able to, you know, um, do those kind of Latin last names, Spanish last names a little better. And I cannot. <laughs> I just, in my brain, I want to do Kiero. Like I'm inverting some of the letters just automatically. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Kiero. Yeah. Um, I have a last name that no one can get, guys. So yeah. I, my sympathies. <laughs> um, so, okay. I, I was trying to think of when the right time was to drop this. And I guess like we kind of have to, I kind of have to drop it now before we talk about the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really trying to think of it. I was like, I, I, I'm like, I don't want to start with it. Ideally it'd be something I'd bring up after we talked about all these stories, but I got to bring it up now. So it's like, I, I like more of the comics in this book than I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, 
Um, a lot of these are well worth, worth reading for Witcher fans. And, um, and I would say this omnibus, considering it's very affordable, you know, um, if you want to just read a lot of what's out there is worth picking up. I don't know what the print, Valerie has a print edition. $24.99 yeah. US. Well, I'll tell you, if you get the digital version, it is probably about seven bucks. So, <laughs> um, like, like if you don't mind reading your comics digitally, you can get, you can get this for about what you pay for two periodicals to floppy comics. So, um, if you get it digitally, so, and that's what I did. And so I, I, um, I think it's well worth that. I think it's worth the 25, honestly, if you're a fan and you want a print edition, it's a nice looking book. Um, but I have one gigantic complaint, um, one huge criticism about this, which is, um, and we'll, t- and like, I'm hoping we can talk about this a little bit more later on, like the process of kind of working on licensed books, because I've done that. Um, but this book, um, this book, this franchise, obviously it's a Dark Horse comic. Dark Horse does not own the rights. Um, and, um, and, and ultimately the rights, I believe, lie with Andrzej Sapkowski, but there's some weird, I don't know what his agreement was with CD Projekt Red, but there was, you know, it was a generous one in some ways. There's a lot of sort of, um, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, Things, some of which is probably are probably true, some of which probably aren't. But um, but they have they have um they have the ability to do a lot, including apparently license the franchise um to for you know to create comics. The Andrzej Sapkowski was not um involved with these comics, as far as I can tell. It was all CD Project Red. Now, that alone is not really what my gripe is. My gripe is I looked throughout the whole book. And except for, I think, at the end, like the the very back matter where um, someone, I don't remember if it's the editor or, I th- oh, I think it was an interview with um, Paul Tobin, who's in the back matter, mentions looking at Andrzej Sapkowski's stories. Um, I can't see his name anywhere on that book. It's not, it's not at the, on the cover. It's not on the credits page. It's not on in the, in, 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 in Dice, in Dice, in Dice, in Dice, in Dice, <laughs> how the fuck do you say that word? I know another word I've never heard said out loud. It's not Index? there. <laughs> I'm like, I no, don't know. You know. Like where it says like, um, published by Dark Horse Comics oh, with yeah. the address and all that like information. Um, like it's not, the plate? Like I don't copy, know. <laughs> the co- where it includes, that includes the copyright information. Yeah, you're yeah. looking at the, the right page there. Yeah. Um, it's not there. Yeah, the copyright plate. Yeah, it's not there. Um, nowhere in there is he credited. There is one. It says, The Witcher game is based on a novel of Andrzej Sapkowski. Uh, all right, all right. So The Witcher game gets attributed yeah. to him. That's the closest you get. But like, like, Nowhere um, is he mentioned kind of, um, you know, like I would think something like that, this, you know, based on, based the, on the Witcher, of, the yeah. world of the Witcher created by, yeah, I think you would say something like that somewhere on that page. You don't have that. And then what makes it even worse, almost unforgivable in my mind, is this second comic directly adapts a segment of Season of Storms. It is a... Not entirely completely note-for-note adaptation. They do add some stuff to the comic um, version of it, but it's the same goddamn story. The the characters are the same. They have the same names. Maybe one is slightly changed. There are some a couple characters that are added, but beat for beat, this is that story as it appears in um, Season of Storms. And um, the fact that they don't acknowledge that anywhere yeah. in the book, anywhere in that particular comic, 
and it's credited just to Paul Tobin is wrong. Um, frankly, like that's just that it, 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 it is wrong. And I am surprised, greatly surprised that one, they did it and that two, they got away with it. Mm. Um, and it must've been just some sweet deal that they negotiated. CG project red negotiated that allowed them to, you know, keep his name off of it. I don't know what it was, but I'll be honest if I was, you know, I don't know. I don't like like making judgments of other people, but as someone who's written and worked on comics, as you know, has written stuff, I would not, I would not feel comfortable being listed as a sole writer of right, this without yeah. an attribution that hey, I'm basing this on his work, it's based on, his on story. this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't like that that that's how this is presented at all. So, um, so big, 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 big complaint about this. It's my biggest complaint about this thing, um, and it does. To, it does sully the story a little bit for me, um, which is unfortunate because the reality is I think it's a good adaptation. I think it's very solid. It's very well done. He lifts dialogue directly from the story. So it's very, you know, um, like I said, they add a little bit, but it's very close adaptation. And I think it plays well as it's sort of um, standalone story. Everything does. Like, honestly, I think uh, Mr. Joe's work shines here. <laughs> like the stuff he's asked to draw, like ships and, you yeah. know, and, and and crazy, like, you know, monsters attacking ships and stuff like, like, it's just, you know, I think it's a little bit even more demanding and probably out of his comfort zone than um, House of Glass was. So he does some great work. Um, and the story, I think, is really, really solid. Uh, it's just I was disappointed that there's no acknowledgement. So anyhow, but with that aside, um, you know, let's talk about the story. Well, I want to talk about because I have not read Season of Storms yet. Okay. So I, you know, the first time I read the story was the first time I was being exposed to it. Yeah. And I have to say, of the four stories, I feel like it's the weakest one for me. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, we're, I we're just. Gonna be, we're gonna be. Yeah, we're going to disagree. That's okay. I don't know. I think like, now that I know it's an adaptation, I understand a little bit more of why they made some of the decisions that they made. Yeah. But like, for example, I feel that there are too many dang characters. There are a lot. Yeah. And, they add and more. I could not keep track of who was who. And I'm like, okay, yeah. is this the bodyguard? Is this the pot the captain? Like I said, pilot, the pilot of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who who is this person? Who is that person? They all kind of look the same. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's I, I have them written down, so let's go through a quick list. There's a Dario Bach who's um, Geralt's dwarven companion who he's just with at the beginning of the story. Now, if you read um, Season of Storms, you'll learn how the two meet each other. Um, this kind of picks up, like, you know, after they've met and are traveling together. Um, there's, um, I think I wrote this, Kevin Kevinard von Van Vliet. I believe I'm saying Kevin that Kevinard right. is like Kevin the Ard. best, worst first name ever. Yeah. He's a ship's owner. Um, the ship's name is the Prophet Leviota. Mm -hmm. um, all this is from the, the book. Um, there's, um, two, I, I don't know who they, what they exactly are. If they're thieves, if they're mercenaries, they're kind of shady dudes, but, um, Javel Fish. He um, runs, he's a trade partner. Is it? Okay. He runs trade with his partner who uh, might be the next person you're mentioning. Pet, Petru Cobbin. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the, the, the point is they're, they're shady. like smugglers. Yeah. 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 That's, that's probably exactly yeah. what they are. Smugglers. Um, they're very shady. And then master box cray is a ship's captain. Now, for some reason, he's the one character who they gave a different name in the book. He's Mr. Pudlorek, I believe hmm. instead, but, but he, he, what he does is exactly the same in the story. They just changed his name to box cray. Um, there's merchant parla parlaghi, parlaghi, um, and, um, and we'll talk about him in a bit. 
And then, um, and then the two big characters who are original to the story is this Janessa, who's like a female messenger, and Dur- her, Durian, her, who is her bodyguard. Interesting. So they're not in Season of Storms. No, they're not. They're original to um, the story. I would say like, all right, so th- all these, each of these, most of these comics we're talking about are five issues long. And um, and I would say three of those five, these five issues were um, directly lifted mm-hmm. from the book, including the first issue. Um, but there is a little bit like at one point they you'll remember you'll know what I'm talking about they leave the ship and they kind of wander and find yeah. these people and and um and they they're 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 kind of off the ship for a little bit before they get mm-hmm. back on it all that was 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 just in the comics that's not in the 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 Sapkowski book um and then the one other big change is um and again I don't know why they made this change but the the she fox like the fox the demon the volpes she's called a volpes in this in the the book she's referred to as an aguara mm. um and that's what she's called in the in the stories an aguara and she's like kitsune and nightmare yeah, of the wolf yeah. yeah um so three different names are basically i think the same creature um but you know like yeah other than that um, it's, um, it's largely, you know, most of these characters came from the book and you're right. There are a lot of, um, it helped that I had read the book for me to kind of keep tabs on, um, these different characters and who they all are. And then on top of that, uh, the other thing we didn't mention is there's a bunch of just random sailors yeah. and a lot of people die in the story. <laughs> and most of them are just these rando sailors, I think until the, the end. And then some of the bigger characters do, but like, um, it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's it is a lot to keep track of so i get that but i like the idea behind this story like honestly to be blunt with you and so this does not bode well for season of storms for you my <laughs> friend it was this is one of the highlights of the book for oh, me oh really it is yeah i uh, there are a couple other moments i like but honestly if i had to name the one thing of the book that really i think i enjoyed it was this story. Um, well, I don't dislike the story as a whole. I just think as an adaptation, knowing that it's an adaptation, there are definitely changes that I personally would make. Like I said, like cutting some of the characters and yeah. changing a couple things around. Yeah. Yeah. They probably didn't need quite as many characters. Um, I think they wanted Geralt to maybe have a couple more people kind of in his camp on mm-hmm. the ship, which is why they added those I two. I actually don't mind that they added the two. Yeah. I, and I kind of get why. It's like the whole Lord of the Rings thing. Like, oh, there are no ladies yeah, here. We too. should probably add one that or two. <laughs> Except for one who, I mean, I, I think that's not a spoiler because it's the first issue. Like, yeah. you know, like to set up, give you guys a hook on what this this story is, is um, basically Geralt and Adario are looking to get to Novigrad. They need a, a way to get there. There's a reason in the um, the book, which I won't spoil for Valerie since she hasn't read it yet, but there, there's a reason why he needs to get there in the book. Um, they t- This is a little bit different because, you know, they don't have that backstory, but they just need to get to N- Novigrad. And, um, and he, you know, they, they find this ship, um, they're willing to take them on, um, in exchange for, um, Geralt's help as a swordsman, as a witcher, but he gets on board and they start sailing before he knows what's gone on. And what you find out is, um, what they've done. All right. So a little bit about these Volpeses, they're these sort of fox spirits, fox demons. Um, they're all female and they cannot procreate like sexually or even asexually. What they do is they take, um, Elven children, and then they female kidnap, elven children. Female elven children. They kidnap them, and then those elven children become volpesses. Um, and that's you know in the um, Nightmare of the Wolf anime, they kind of mm-hmm. suggest that that's what's going on, and um, and then obviously that's true in the book as well. So um, 
So that's what they're doing. And they found out there was a, I forget what she was, like an elven noble woman or something who had, or maybe she was a, a queen or a princess. Uh, she was a noble woman. Noble. And are you ready for this? Zymina de Sepulveda. And I can do Sepulveda because we have a street in LA yeah. named Sepulveda. Sepulveda Boulevard. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not write that name now. So thank you for doing that. Her um, daughter was kidnapped by one of these Volpesses. And um, what you find out, and this is a little different than in the comic, but you find out in the book, I think they think they kidnapped the right one and then they find out it's not the right one. Um, but um, it's just this other um, um, Volpes girl, like um, daughter, and um, what do they call Foxling or something like that. Anyhow, it's, they, they kidnapped the wrong one, but they figure, you know what? She's going to be worthwhile just worth something to someone. So let's, let's take her to Novograd and sell her. And that's basically what these, mm. these smugglers um, are. That's their plan. And, you know, Geralt learns about this and he is not on board um, both because it's a shitty thing to do. And also because these, these Fox demons are stupidly crazy powerful. They can like, and you see this in nightmare of the wolf, they can cause um, cast like, um, 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 illus illusions, like crazy like, illusions. Yeah, like, like powerful, yeah. like like totally make the world around you just look completely different. You can't, you know, tell heads from you know up from down. Like like you know, you just can't trust what you're seeing. They're really powerful. Um, and Geralt flat out says he doesn't think he could beat them. It's yeah. like there's no beating them. You're not, you know, you, there's no running from them. There's no getting, you know, um, like I cannot help you here is what he says. And so his thing, his thing is the only way you're gonna, the only chance you have is to to get this, you know, this, this girl you've kidnapped, leave her on the shore, like basically, you know, as a big apology and hope that they don't, she doesn't come after you. And he says, that's the only thing that the only, only hope you have, that's what we're going to do. They go down and, and get her. And what happens, Valerie? Well, I thought we weren't spoiling anything. <laughs> well, this anything. is the first issue. You said we this, spoiling no, anything. I said we weren't like, no, plot, no, plot, plot, plot. No, stop, Valerie. I said uh. we weren't spoiling the final act. This is the first issue of a five issue comic. So, uh, well, <laughs> she dead Tim. yeah yeah so you um yeah you find out the 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 stupid guy who you know what was his name pal i wrote it down um parlahi random it, henchman number three yeah like we got drunk and she was being you know squirrely and trying to escape so he like you know i don't know if he hit her or something like that and she you know basically it killed her and so now they got this dead you know um 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 kind of fox child fox child and um yeah a pissed off volpus after them and that's what the story is about is basically them dealing with her and how this all gets resolved and that we won't spoil yeah but um but like um i, I mean i think it's a great hook like if i read this first issue and I, i'd be like oh i gotta know what happens yeah. now like i think this is a, a a great intro um you know like like Maybe it doesn't quite maintain the momentum, but I do think it's a fun story. And I I I I love the ending of this one. Um, I think it plays a little better in Season of Storms because mm. I will say this story is is a little bit more spread out in the book than it is in 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 the comic, since it's all just there. But um, but you know, yeah. What like so is it just the characters you didn't like? Yeah, or? and I mean like, I don't know. I thought some of the story was a little weak. Like you have these so there are all these illusions and you have all these sailors and they keep falling for the same illusions yeah. over and over. Like yeah. they see treasure and they run for the treasure, treasure and then yeah. like later there's more treasure. You're and like, they guys, run for it again. <laughs> guys, come on, this is on you. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Um, I really liked um, Janessa. I, she reminded yeah, me a cool. little bit of Milva. Yeah, um, yeah, Archer. Yeah, yeah, female Archer. Yeah, I think that was it. It's just because yeah. she's also a badass Archer. Um, but, um, 
but I thought she was pretty awesome. And, um, you know, and there was even like a little good exchange with, um, Geralt and Durian near the very end where he asked, you know, um, like, cause, well, we won't spoil Janessa, but he asked why he's traveling with Janessa. And one of the questions is, do you love her? And he's like, I think that's one reason I'm traveling with yeah, her is to like, find out. Know, let's find out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was something like that. I yeah. thought that was kind of fun. It was um, fun. Cause usually it's like, yes, I, I love her more than blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think he maybe kind of does. And, you know, yeah. it's just like, but it's just kind of one of those, you know, they don't make a big thing out right, of it. Right, right. Yeah. And know, I appreciated look, that. Yeah. So I did have one last um, thing to ask you about the story mm-hmm. um, before we move on to the next one, which was, um, did you notice like how halfway through, I think about halfway through the story, Geralt randomly lost his swords? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then he still doesn't have them at the end. Yeah. Like they get stolen by like one of the, I don't know what they're, drowners or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's you're, like, Water it's hag. a little bit, like, yeah. I could see like not having, like just reading this as a one-off being like, what the fuck was that about? Yeah. <laughs> Why did he lose his sword? <laughs> like what? what um. All I will say is that will make some sense. That yeah, that's that, that doesn't happen in the book, but it'll make sense to you when you've read the book. Okay. So um so yeah, you know, like um yeah, you'll when you do eventually get to that book, you'll kind of understand but see, that's why they did thing. that. Another thing, it's like, did you need to do that in the comic if you're treating this comic as like a one-off? I don't well, know. Yeah. You you um I mean, he can't really like like I guess this is not too much of a spoiler. When he's confronting the Volpes kind yeah. of near the end, it's like, you know, he doesn't um, have his he doesn't swords. have his swords. Yeah. yeah, he has nothing. Um, he's not going to be able to beat her. Mm-hmm. Um, he he didn't think he'd be able to beat her even with the swords. And so I think, you know, um showing that level, I think, of vulnerability in him has a has a purpose. Um, I think it's I think so. That said, I don't think it would have read that much differently yeah. if they hadn't done that. But um but you know, yeah. I mean, I will say it's that plays similarly to Interesting. the book. Interesting. So All right. you know, um, with him confronting her. So uh, you know, you'll you'll understand it when you get to that one. Um, but should we move on to our our next story? Yeah, this one is killing monsters, and this one is a one shot. So the yeah. previous ones we've been talking about are five issues total, but this is just one one and done. Um, our boy Paul still writing it, but now we have a new artist, and this is Max Bertolini. Mm-hmm. Um, still colored by Carlos Badia and still lettered by Nate Piecos. Um, what do you think of Max Bertolini's I art? I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like I it as don't. much as um, Mr. Joe's either. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just I, a little blocky and I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's okay. So the story stars Geralt and Vesemir. And yeah. you have a, I have a hard time telling, telling them who's apart. Who. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Agree 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a lot they of- They both um, have beards. They both have white hair. Geralt's got a ponytail and Vesemir's hair is down and one's in a blue cloak and one's in a green cloak. And yeah, that's like, yeah, it's not easy to tell who's who. No, and there's a lot of panels where they're fighting or doing things and like they're kind of, it's kind of shot, drawn from like a distance. And yeah. so you just can't see the detail of their faces. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I had a, a lot of trouble- with that, like as I well. would have kept girl clean shaven just to like yeah, differentiate them a bit, a little bit easier. Agree. Now, I I took this as being set um, right at the beginning of the game, yeah. like where the where Witcher Three starts, and it starts with. Um, um, Geralt and um, in Vesemir looking for Yennefer and um, or in the pursuit of her because they're all trying to find Ciri. And I felt I saw this as as being set, I guess, prior to where. 
the same sort of journey, but prior to where the game starts. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but that's how I read mm -hmm. where this was. But the other two stories, by the way, are all set well before the game. And I think well before um, most of the Witcher um, show. I mean, Season of Storms is set before um, Geralt meets Ciri. And, um, and, you know, we don't know where House of Glass is, but he, since he's by himself, I got to assume it's earlier in his life before he gets involved with you know, being a dad. So, um, so yeah, so, so this is, is now kind of a little bit later. You're right. The fact that it has Vesemir in it, um, is, um, is kind of unique because the prior two didn't have any, uh, established characters mm -hmm. from, um, or at least kind of well-known characters from the Witcher. Um, just to kind of set this up a little bit, um, the story up a little bit. Um, it is set in a town called Vorun, which is not a town I'm familiar with. I think it's just one they created for, um, for this comic. Um, some of the other characters in it is there's a street kid named Bolt the Black who proves to be a pivotal character. There's a Captain Drugan who's sort of a corrupt Nilfgaardian captain. That's the other thing. This this story does deal a bit with Nilfgaard mm -hmm. and kind of the war. And the sort occupation. Of the, basically, yeah. Nilfgaard's occupying a town. Yes, exactly. And so you got this corrupt Nilfgaardian captain. Um, and then Lieutenant... Um, I think it's Massey is his kind of second in command who proves to be kind of more of a, a better, so like a better person. Um, there are other characters here and there. And um, ultimately, don't they, is kind of the gist of this. They kind of take this contract to kill a fiend. Is mm -hmm. that what it is? Yeah. And so, so, you know, you, you, you do have some monster battling in this one. I'd say probably more so than any other, like it, it you know, it talks, it starts off with them talking about killing a Griffin and, you know, and you see flashbacks of it. So there's a lot of monster fighting in this one. And, you know, yeah, along with the fiend, I think there's a graveyard at, I think that's how you say it, uh, kind of the, the ghoulish mm -hmm. zombie thing. Um, they kill one of those. So there's, you know, if you like monster fighting, the story is good for that. Um, you know, and then the other, the only other thing I kind of really remember about this is there's like a random one page, like graphic Yennefer sex scene. <laughs> yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, there was a funny line. So Geralt basically dreams about mm -hmm. Yennefer and they have like a sexy sex scene dream thing. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's like, I don't know, maybe she was really there. She's a sorceress. Maybe it was something she could yeah, do. I know what you're and Vesemir says, you're babbling, Geralt. Let me ask you this. Did Yennefer treat you well in this dream? Was she kind? And Geralt says, yes, she was. And then Vesemir, like a boss goes that it was only a dream Geralt yeah. only a dream <laughs> no but I mean it's cool it's cool seeing her in this um it's just funny that she's only in there for a page that may or may not have actually happened yeah and it's a pretty graphic it's like tits out right? yeah. like like let's yeah like full-on tits out <laughs> riding on riding Geralt like oh my god man. a lot of tits out in this whole book I gotta say yeah yeah but hey you know like like Geralt I think I think I think I don't think Geralt and Yen are shy when no, they, when they at go all. at it. So um, again, Netflix, um, which are you know, <laughs> come on, <laughs> we have notes. Yeah, sexy, sexy notes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to get too much in the story because yeah, like, I'm trying to so skirt short. around it because I don't want to. Well, I don't want to spoil it. And there's there's things that happen that I really enjoy I from a storytelling standpoint, I but I, I can't I'm not get into it. Yeah. it because it spoils it. But yeah, I there, it, there's a twist. Yeah, and I liked I kind of liked where it went, and I'll it just does, leave it at that. I will say this one does feel like a story from the game. Yeah, um, like it could have been a, a a quest from the game. Um, uh, you know, like a side quest or something like that. So I thought like that was kind of 
kind of neat. And, you know, if you know about fighting fiends from the game, there are some sort of nods to that yeah. um, that I think are well done. Um, it is, like you said, a shorter story. It's yeah. just a one a one issue, sort of one shot that, like I said, my, uh, my understanding was this was kind of an incentive to pre-order um, the game when it came out. So um, so there's a reason, I guess, maybe why it's it, it, it seems to tie in so much with it. Um, but you're right. There's not a lot we can say other than, like I said, I, I enjoyed this one. I think this one was pretty solid. I agree with you on the art. I, I would have liked to have seen this drawn by Joe Kiero. Yeah. Um, and See, um, you said Kiero. Did I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it Kiero? Kiero? Uh, K-Rio, I think. Again, I'm just guessing based on the word K God and the word it. Rio. I need to stop but... saying anything other than Mr. Joe. <laughs> But no, but I get it. Like, his, it's very close to Kiero, so I, I understand why. Yeah, it's, my brain's doing it too. Sorry, Joe. His art is awesome, though. Like, I might be tr- struggling with his name, but I, I like his art. Um, and I would have loved to see him draw this story as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool to see other artists, but unfortunately, I just think he's the best one. You mm-hmm. know, I think in this book, I think um, I'm not a fan of the other two as much. Um, do you want to move on to the Yeah, last let's story? move on to the final story, Curse of Crows. So this yeah. one is set post-game. Mm-hmm. We get Siri, an actual Yen, <laughs> not just dream sequence Yen. Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly, that's my favorite thing about it, yeah. is that, you know, Siri and Yen are in it. I do find it interesting that it's set after the game because they basically um, kind of come down on, like, one ending being canon, yeah. um, which I think is kind of interesting. This is also, I will say, though, I did say that the the Fox one was my least favorite. I also am not a huge fan of this one. Oh, no, I hate this one. Ser- yeah. I think this one is an absolute mess. <laughs> um, I'm not going to mince words on yeah, this. Yeah. I think the one thing I liked about it was that it had Siri and that it had um, – um, Yen in it, but mostly Siri. I think yeah. Yen is almost intolerable in the story, and we can yeah. talk about that. But um, um, yeah, the fact that it was a, a you know a Siri and Geralt story for the most part um, was my favorite thing about it. I thought this story, I, I, like I don't know what was going on. Well, first of all, let's let's give a credit to the creative team. Oh, you want to try it? You want to try it? Tim? I'm going to try it because I want. I want you know, I want people to know who maybe is responsible. Um, so this has a lot of um, people on the writing side. It's a story by Paul Tobin with, and we're totally going to screw up these names because they're Polish names, but it's with Boris Pugatz-Murakiewicz and Karolina Stachira? Stachira? I don't know um, how you pronounce her last name. Um but they're they're given story credit. Now we should mention Boris Pagats Muraskevitz is um actually credited as being the lead writer, I believe. Hang on. Let me look that up. Um now I was going with Muraskowitz, but Muraskowitz, you might I, be right. I don't think I am. He's, he's, <laughs> he's credited at um as the lead writer at CD Project Red. So yeah. um he's involved with this. I honestly don't know what that says. The fact that he's um, and the story, I think, is such a mess. Um, the dialogue is by Travis Curit, and the art is by Peter Kowalski. Um, I believe that's how you. I think it's Peter, it. but yeah, uh, might, maybe. Um, but anyhow, so it's a new artist who um, not not the same artist as in the previous story. A lot of people involved in this, including people at CD Projekt Red. Um, so I was very surprised at what a mess this story is. Um, I feel like 
Like it's like, like the other, most of the other ones, it's a five issue story, but I feel like it was only really three issues worth of story. Yeah. And the rest was just like, like a bunch of moments of Geralt and Siri, um, or Geralt and Yen doing stuff that had nothing to do with really anything. They just were randomly doing things, you know, <laughs> like, like to fill. And there was a lot of like one day later yeah. or several days later or yeah. later that day, like a lot of those sort of boxes going on. Um, and, um, and, and really it, like ultimately what the core story is, I don't think was really executed well at all. Like yeah. it was really, I was, it was very confusing. Like I will say this, I think my first issue, uh, or my, I'm sorry, my first, my favorite issue of this um, of this story was the first issue mm -hmm. because um, it almost tells its own little self-contained story. Yeah. Like, um, you know, basically the gist of this is Siri and Geralt are heading to, um, is it Novigrad again? Yeah, they're going to Novigrad. So, yeah. yeah, to um, to basically kill, um, take on a contract to kill Astriga. Mm -hmm. And again, like um, the Fox Children story, this borrows heavily mm -hmm. from an existing Witcher short story. Um, now it's not an adaptation of it, so it's not quite the same thing. But they do kind of retell the the, the Witcher Striga story, Striga story. Yeah. yeah. Which, to be fair, this was written before the show came out. Yes. But if you if you're reading this after seeing the show, it's kind of boring because you're yeah. like, yeah, I already know all that. I yeah. saw the episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and um, and so yeah, I I think it's fair because it's like you can't assume um, people know that story or yeah, read that right. story um, who are reading this. And it's not just, if it was just, oh, I fought a Striga before. Yeah. Um, and, um, and here's how, here's how it went down. Like you maybe didn't need to recap it if it was just about the fact that Geralt had fought one before, but it actually ties in. Ostrit has like a, and maybe we won't spoil it, but he just to say he, he proves to have a key. Um, Which I kind of hated. Yeah. I, I thought too. it was too tidy. Like it was too, I don't know. I thought all the. It was, I just found it very. Yeah. It would sound weird to say about a fictional fantasy universe, but I found it very unlikely. Like, yeah, it was very like, unlikely. It was just like, again, we're trying to dance around like the story, but he basically has a role in like the future story, that, yeah. that story that's happening now in the comic. And yeah. it just seems too, what is the word I want? Just too convenient. convenient. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and adding to that, and I'll. I'll put it vaguely, um, but you'll get it. One, I could maybe believe, but yeah, two, yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah. And yeah. so, so it's just, um, yeah, it, I didn't really care for that. Um, but that's the thing. And so this first issue is um, Geralt and um, Siri, and they meet up with um, a young woman named Jane who um, they saved from a troll. There was a fun, yeah. I did like the interaction with the troll. Mm -hmm. I always like, you know, um, both this and the, um, the Fox children's story had some troll exchanges and those are always fun. Um, but they rescue this Jane from the troll by basically trading a, <laughs> you know, a vodka. Potion, was I think a, it was vodka. Yeah. But it was like just really strong. I think yeah. vodka or something with, for her. And so, um, so the troll takes that and, and gives up the girl and, um, and then, you know, um, she travels with them a little bit and, um, you know, I won't spoil the story, but there's a twist, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, and that kind of played as like, kind of, a, I think if you had really kind of maybe tightened that story a bit, yeah. it would have made, that would have made just a good one-off comic. Right, on its yeah. Own. 
Um, and then after that, though, it goes on. They eventually get to Novigrad. They take the contract, but for some reason, they can't do it right away. So there's a lot of just kind of hanging around. There's a lot <laughs> of bad. I will say the, the, the comics don't skip on, skimp on Geralt bat scenes. Or We need to talk about how everybody's going in the baths in their underwear, though. Yeah. Like, yes. what is up with that? Yeah. <laughs> like, even Geralt wearing Geralt that does weird it. little. Geralt does it. Yeah. Little, little thong butt thing. Thong thing that he's wearing. I did not need to <laughs> like, see Geralt in that. Like, why are you going into the bath? And, yeah. Like, we can't show butts. Like, yeah. we have, the women are hopless the entire yeah. time, but we can't have, like, a butt. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even man butt. It's yeah. like that. Siri they just wears have it too. Like, Siri yeah. wears it too. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I don't, I didn't get that at all. Um, I will say, there is one sequence, and you'll know which one it is, where he's at a bath with these two bath workers yeah. that I did find very sexy. I thought they, <laughs> I thought they really pulled that one off well for a comic book. I'm like, I'm like, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> now I know you have some choice words for Yennefer in this series, but I did like that she was there did, and she had some fun interaction, fun I sexy interaction. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, those were good. Like um some of the moments with Geralt were good, but it just, I, to me, it was Yen at her worst. Yeah, you know, she was. She was trying to control of, yeah, and yeah. trying to control and being kind of condescending or maybe that's not the right word. Not being but honest, just, like being um Oh yeah. Tricky and not yeah. Yeah. But then just like like, you know, um she was being the um, the annoying parent, I guess. Yeah. Like you know, Geralt was like trusting Siri to do that, do that, and and um and Yen was just like um you know, it's like all oh, helicopter it. parenting. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it just like it just was a weird side of Yen that I don't know is fully accurate. Yeah. Plus, there's that sequence with that random guy at the the yeah, lake, that which was, was weird. weird. I yeah. didn't get that. That's why I said there's so much just weird random shit in this story. And I know, like guys who haven't read it, you're probably like, "What the hell are they talking about?" But um, but this one was just disappointing. I mean, I I would say there are aspects of it that did feel reminiscent of the game, you know, just the fact mm -hmm. that you kind of things change as you start asking questions mm -hmm. and learning more feels like, you know, sort of the investigation that goes on in the game. Um, the fact that it was set in Novigrad, um, like, you know, there's a lot that, that, you know, kind of, um, you know, seems like it was, it the was a little girl who knocks herself out. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's like, a little moments. girl who's like a little street urchin yeah. and Siri like defends her honor and then she's like, why did you do that? Now they think that they're going to think that we're together. And yeah. she's like, okay, I have to make it look like you beat me up and then yeah. runs into a wall and knocks yeah. herself out. Yeah, there were little moments like that that did feel like stuff that could have come from the game and I appreciated those, but it's just the story itself just was a complete mess. And, um, and while I did like Siri in it, also, I don't know how I felt about her getting... So her ass handed to her so yeah. easily by that thing. But, um, but like, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I did like her. It just, it wasn't quite enough to really make this story enjoyable all the way through for me. Um, I also find it interesting that she's a witcher, but she only has one sword. Yeah. I know he only gives her one sword at the end, but I figured, I, I figured, I, I always assumed that was a silver sword. Yeah. At the end gave. of the game, if you get, okay, game spoilers, guys, yeah. if you already don't know hey sean <laughs> if in the one ending like i think he does give her a silver sword yeah like, I think that's the so, she already has a steel sword and i think he but, gives her a silver one which makes sense that he wouldn't give her two swords yeah. but she uh, you'd think she'd still carry one all witcher or yeah, two of them two, all witchers yeah. do yet she she doesn't in this so i thought that was a little odd um i almost like i almost wonder and we can talk about this more and when we wrap 
after we've wrapped this up, this up, like if that, that was like a note by the games team where they had to keep her on model for how yeah. she looks in the game, which is before she's a witcher and she only has the one sword. Mm-hmm. Then. So, um, so I wouldn't at all be surprised if that's why, but it, to me, I did kind of question that. I'm like, all right, you're going post game. You're, you're choosing one of the endings as canon. You're making her a witcher. Um, but you're only, she only has one sword. That's a little odd. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. And I don't know. I, you asked me. I prefer Yennefer in the previous story because <laughs> I'm like I can't I can't object to like hot sexy Yennefer come and bang Geralt one and then get then peace out out of there. <laughs> uh, but this with her, you know, like even like when it comes to like saving Siri, she's yeah. not able to do it. It's just like, come yeah. on, Yen, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, so. she's very controlling and not. Y- yeah. yeah, like I'm. This is not me being anti Yen. I know I am always. Um, team Triss when it comes to game stuff, but um, but I like Yen still, and I just don't like this this version kind of, of her version yeah. of her. Yeah, um, I mean her de- her design looks good. I like one thing I will say about um, Peter Kowalski's art or Piot. What did you say? I think P- it's Piotr, but Piotr. P i o t r. Maybe this one will just go by his last name, Kowalski. Um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Kowalski. Um, his art. Um, he does. I don't really love his the look of his characters, but he does like big giant landscape yeah. scenes, like 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 you know, a lot of this is in Novigrad, so there's a lot of detail. He does that very well. Um, he renders sort of all these like. Um, buildings and just kind of these big backgrounds. Um, there's some, there's like a couple flashbacks that talk about a battle. And I think he does all that pretty, pretty well. It's just the close up kind of dialogue yeah. between the characters. I don't really like how they look when he draws them in that style. Well, I think that pretty much sums up the comics unless you have anything else you want to add. No, just some, I, like I said, I, I kind of, it's kind of a bummer to end on, our least favorite, or at least my want. least favorite. <laughs> yeah, because it's it it leaves a sour note. But like overall, I think this is a great collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I for me, three of the four I enjoyed, and um, especially those first two. And I think it's well worth um, picking up if you um, just wanted to sample a couple of them. I think the first two, you know, if you want to maybe just grab those digitally um, and skip that last one, you could definitely do that too. Well, do you have anything to say about this whiskey we're drinking? I I do. I do have some things. Um, well, now this is your first time trying it. I've had it before, but what do you think, Tim? I'm trying to see what I get. Well, I have a very exciting announcement. I actually do taste something other than alcohol with this one. <laughs> what do you taste? Uh, corn. Yeah, there's a lot it's of corn. very <laughs> corn forward. <laughs> there is a lot of... No, but that's that's true because that's what I'm getting... Kind of on the nose. Just yeah. let me have my small know. victories, it's guys. Because I had um, I you know, I put a lot of water in it. I think it's kind of like you know. Well, there's a out. bottle right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna. I don't think I should add more. I mean, there's definitely a fire on the back end. Oh yeah, so, it burns. Yeah, um, in a good way, but it burns. And you're right. Like there's there's obviously corn, um, a little bit of a sweetness to it too. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it whether, is like a sweet corn. Yeah, whether it's like brown sugar or something like that, um, but you know. Yeah, that kick, like you could almost say it's almost like a, you know, pepper or jalapeno or something, but it's just like burning, you know, kind of alcohol. Um, yeah, but it's... Yeah, I wouldn't say jalapeno. I'd say like a 151. <laughs> it's that kind of burn. <laughs> like, really? 
right, so ghost pepper. Everclear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, like those those put kind of bad connotations. No, no, but I mean, a, it's a very, it's like an alcohol burn, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting um, whiskey by and large. I mean, it's not my favorite, um, but it definitely visually is one of the more interesting ones. I'm curious what Sean's been drinking. He's had, he's had it straight. He's had it on the rocks. Um, he does keep pouring himself more, so that's a good sign. I'm going to take one more sip of it yeah. straight. I've been drinking it straight the entire time, but I'm still on my first glass. Like well, I haven't even. I mean, considering you didn't dilute it, that's probably no. a good thing. I also didn't dilute it when we did our crossover with On the Path, and I definitely uh, <laughs> there were some consequences later. Oh no! <laughs> you wanna you wanna come clean with those or no? <laughs> um, as as the boys know, I decided afterwards that I wanted barbecue, which you know, you drink you want meat. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you're vegetarian, but yeah, so I, I ordered some barbecue, ate my barbecue decided I needed a nap, <laughs> took a nap for two hours, woke up, sobered up pretty much, looked in the mirror and saw that I had a giant just splotch of barbecue sauce all over the side of my face <laughs> that had dried there while I slept. So you drunkenly passed out after, drunkenly passed after out. gorging so thanks, on barbecue. Thanks, booze. <laughs> you, you make a good product there, guys. Was there a mirrored barbecue pattern on your pillowcase? No, case? there was not. I did check. It was the it other was just, side of your face. I wasn't the, leaning. It was like I generally sleep like back to the bed. So fortunately, did, no no face contacted the pillow. But. Did the barbecue splotch look like Jesus? No. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. There was no holy honey involved. No, but, uh, no. So it wasn't like a, a spiritual message. Did it look like a stock of blue corn? Yeah. <laughs> no. It looked like somebody who was a, a hot mess earlier in the day. <laughs> oh, emphasis on the hot. Oh, God bless you. But no, <laughs> I don't know if anybody looks good with dried barbecue sauce after a two-hour nap. Anyone Rule 34, Val. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something for everybody. Yeah. What do you think of this whiskey, Sean? You're the expert. Uh, I like it. And you you definitely taste the blue corn we got here. Yeah, sixty three and a half percent. This is damn near rubbing alcohol. Yeah, that's the burn I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm curious what you you want to go on, or do you want me to read me read some of my little tasty notes I have? Here yeah, I haven't had this Balconis before, or okay. Valerie. What did we? Um, what did we? We land don't on? know, guys. So this is a point of contention because I, when I was looking it up, when I did it for our on the path crossover. I, you know, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but I believe they, they had like bal balcones or balconies. Like there were so many different ways that people were pronouncing it. And I was watching videos and I was Googling and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I would say, would, would we all agree it was balcones? Everyone. Balcones. Yeah, balcones. Ev everyone's instinct is balcones. Yeah. Or, or balcones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you said balcones was what you read on the website or uh, saw on a video on the website, correct? I was drunk, guys. I'm gonna have to like look that back. I'm pretty sure that's drunk how, at that point. Yeah. Well, no, that was how it went because I remember I agreed with your initial instinct, and yeah. so did friend of the show Denise. Yes, hi Denise, who is a native uh, Spanish speaker. Yeah. yeah, and having taken Spanish in high school, and I like finally got this after taking two years of Spanish. Somebody told me because the worst thing I was ever at when I was taking Spanish was like, when do you use accents? Yeah. Um. So the rule is, as I was explained to be if the word ends in a vowel an n or an s the invisible accent is on the second to last syllable so balcones balcones yes yeah, so balcones is how and like i just whited that up guys but that's how um <laughs> that's i watched two videos that both were like from the brand and balcones was how they pronounced it so so we think it's balcones 
Yeah. Falcones. Yeah, I mean that—that's what everybody thought. Until yeah, you said like, that somebody like else I said, said I a watched two videos. Video. Now, <laughs> like as a white lady, I'm going to say that the two people in the videos were also very Caucasian. So maybe not the best, but it was the official people. So eh. well, well, here's the thing: I do know um, Balcones, or however you say it, is is named after kind of a geographical yeah, abutment uh-huh. in Texas. Uh, we didn't go into that when we were talking to Brett, but no. um, but I, like, and I don't know. Like I, I'd imagine it's pronounced however they pronounce that yeah. down in Texas, and um, and so Brett's instinct, which is what we're yeah. all saying, uh, balcones, is yeah. probably more accurate. But I don't know. Yeah, it's Guys, a little weird. We make a joke about not being able to pronounce things, but I do want you to know that we legit do research. Yeah, like we're not just making it and up. This one like, I think is not our fault if we're mispronouncing it because there's too much. There's too much information out. It's like I don't want to say disinformation, but it's like disinformation, fake news. Yeah, but there's like. <laughs> Like, you know, too many different examples of how to pronounce it out there. The from- best is when you're watching like the Irish or the Scottish guys that have the whiskey review YouTube channels yeah. that are trying it. And I'm like, like, oh, no, guys. this isn't going <laughs> to they're not going to pronounce this right at all. <laughs> well, Tim, hearing that uh, about it being a region in Texas that uh, is pronounced that certain way by all the white people in Texas mm-hmm. uh, makes it not hard to believe that it was always supposed to be pronounced uh, Balcones yeah. and the white people decided it was Balcones. Balcones. <laughs> Mayonnaise you would eat on a balcony. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's what it, that's what it means. Balcony. It is balcony. Yeah. yeah. Um, so few notes about Balcones. I'm going to say it like that. Um, as we touched on in our crossover, Balcones is a craft distillery located in Waco, Texas, which is a city I've actually visited, um, though it was sadly well before my whiskey drinking days. Um, I haven't been to um, a lot of the major Texas cities, but I've been to San Antonio and I've been to Waco. I've been um, to some airports. Yeah, I think I've been to the Dallas airport as well. Um, as a distillery, Balcones is the epitome of DIY. They're located in a former metal shop, which they refurbished from the ground up. Their whiskey is distilled in pot stills, which they imported from Portugal, and their original source for blue corn were the local indigenous Hopi, is it Hopi or Hopi? People, H-O-P-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not pr- I did not look up the correct way to pronounce that. I'm gonna say Hopi. Um, though their needs soon grew beyond that, and their corn is now imported from neighboring New Mexico. Um, and then at the start, Balcones only produced whiskeys distilled from blue corn. It was kind of their thing, um, though they've since expanded their offerings considerably and now produce a rye, a single malt whiskey, a smoked whiskey that they call brimstone, and a spirit made from Texas wildflower honey, mission figs, and turbinado sugar that they call rumble. Rumble. They do still produce a lot of blue corn bourbon, however. Um, Their most well-known examples of this are their baby blue whiskey, which they say is deliberately designed to feel youthful. I don't know. It seems a little odd to me, but I've not tried it. Um, And their true blue 100 and true blue cask strength whiskeys, which are more sophisticated and obviously much stronger. Um, This whiskey, the Texas Blue Corn Bourbon, is one of their annual releases. It's only released once per year. Um, I do believe this is I I didn't write this down, but I do believe it's always um, released at cask strength. And so the strength itself varies a little bit Hmm. with each year. I, I definitely saw reviews of this bourbon from previous years that were not as strong <laughs> as this one. So well, I think, it sucks to be them. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just lucked out. Is that the right yeah. way to put it? But I'll um, find out tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> 
We did want to talk a little bit about yeah. adaptations. Yeah. Because this whole comic series is an adaptation of an existing property. And Tim, you have a little bit of experience working with comic adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. We um it's interesting. Like a little background um for people who don't know me in real life. Um my um day job is within the comic book industry. I'm not going to go into too much about what I do now. I mean, certainly if you find me on Twitter, you can, it's pretty clear, you can figure it out. But, um, but in the past I've, um, I've both worked as an editor and a comic book writer, um, and have worked on adapted comics, um, or basically, I guess the word I, the term I would use is licensed comics, um, on both sides. So I've written them and I've edited, edited them as well. And, um, you know, like uh, we don't, we won't turn this into like a whole breakdown of like how comics are created. Um, you know, it, that's kind of its own podcast and it's not really the topic of, of this one, but, um, but I will say there are some aspects to it that are different when it's a, it's a licensed book or an adaptation. Um, the biggest one is like, I guess what I would say is like comics as a medium, it's always a collaborative medium. Um, there are some, some like kind of writer, artists, cartoonists who just do it all themselves. They might write it, they might draw it, they might publish it. Um, but these are tend to be the, like the kind of like almost the web comic people or maybe the comic strip people who, um, who, you know, it's all them. But most part, if you pick up a comic book from a comic book shop, um, whether it's like a major superhero like Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, or whether it's, uh, um, you know, something that's kind of, um, um, you know, created by like creator owned, what we would call it, like Hellboy or Saga. Yeah. yeah or Saga. Um, or whether it's something like this, which is based on an existing franchise, it's always a, a, a number of people working on it. You usually have a writer, you have an artist, which is really an art team. Um, generally, gen generally you'll have a penciler, uh, possibly sometimes an inker and then a colorist. And then like we talked about here, a letterer. And then, um, you always have an editor who kind of has like, um, a role to play as well in helping to shape the story and kind of, you know, making notes and stuff like that. So there's, it really is a collaborative process, but with licensed comics, books like this, you have, um, other people involved, which is this licensor that also has a say, and that can create interesting experiences. Um, and I think we kind of, I was critical about it, but I think we kind of found one with The Witcher, which is the licensor in this case seems to be CDPR, um, CD Projekt Red. It's not Andrzej Sapkowski or whatever the publisher is of um, of his books in Poland, mm -hmm. which is like often what you know it would be. Like I I did um, I did some licensed some um, graphic novels, um, some kind of YA graphic novels with um, Harper Collins YA division, and um, and in that case it was all Harper the Harper Collins you know the editors of the the novels were consulting on mm -hmm. these graphic novel adaptations we were doing, and so um, so yeah it, like I wouldn't at all have been surprised if that was the the arrangement for this, but instead it seems to be CD Projekt Red, which is interesting because, um, because like, yeah, they're not the creators of The Witcher. They're the creators of the games, but not of The Witcher itself. So it's interesting that they're the ones who are offering notes. And, um, and, 
and I, I, I'm curious about the, the process. Like, I think, you know, there are some things we maybe saw, like, you know, I said, Vice Siri maybe has one sword. It was probably a note offered um, by them. You could kind of see their hand in that and kind of make, because that's probably what they're going to be most concerned about is making sure these characters look on model, look like the way they're supposed to look in the game um, and that they're translating it well to comics. But, you know, some licensors will, they'll, they'll want certain stories to be told, obviously. In this case, um, if, um, if, for example, if some writer, this um, Paul Tobin, pitched a story that's like, oh, let's have a story where, let me think, Geralt meets a, um, a man who can't die and you find out he's like been cursed and it has to do with his wife. And, uh, and they might say, oh, no, 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 that's too close to um, yeah. Hearts of Stone, you know, or the story that mm-hmm. and maybe they weren't, they, that hadn't been released yet. So this, Paul wouldn't have known. They're like, that's pretty close to a story we want to do for our DLC we're working on. Or, or even sometimes it could be a story, a side quest in the game that maybe just, you know, Paul or whoever's pitching these um, stories wouldn't know about. So sometimes it's, it's a little bit of that too. I mean, I've also noticed just reading, like I've read other series that have been adapted from different works. Like I'm thinking of the TV show Supernatural, for example, had some comics. Yeah. And part of the problem is the comics can't really cross the lines of canon. Mm-hmm. Like they can't create their own canon. They can't go off and do their own thing. They have to work within the bounds of the existing storylines. Yeah. So you can't be like, and then... Uh, Siri dies and Geralt is very sad about like you can't really do that because that's not what happens in the game. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where it gets to be interesting. Um, You know, the the word canon is interesting because I think the way licensors would like to see these is, um, oh, that's just comic book. It's not it's not canon in the game or it's not canon in the the TV show in the case of Supernatural or in the movie. If you're doing, you know, um, one based on a movie. and I push back against that, or I did push back against that when I was editing these, because I'm like, I'm like, if these aren't considered canon by fans, then why the hell would they read them? You yeah. know, like they, um, they want to see it as a, an extension of this universe. That means it has to exist within the universe. It has to have a place there. And, um, and, and so that's always kind of an interesting area when dealing with licensed comics in that, like, um, does like is this canon like like can we count this as canon like is this story really set after um the ending of the witcher because then it kind of proves that okay only this ending is canon yeah um and um and that's a really interesting area to get in i my hunch is cd project project red would like to fudge that and probably say oh no like whatever ending you get is the right ending the real ending and um and this is just a possible story that could have happened afterwards or something like that um and um and and so my response i guess if i had been the editor on this book would have been that we're not going to tell that story yeah like let's tell one that can exist within it i think the one that um the killing monsters one that's set yeah. at the start of the game is a good example of one that could exist with well within canon no one can say that didn't happen right it yeah. doesn't impact anything in the game um but it feels like it could have been like i said a side quest that that happened at the start of it so um so i think that's a good example and then certainly these stories that are set before the game um even happens um and don't really impact anything like this um um vara like succubus Mm -hmm. character never shows up again so um you know uh jacob never shows up again so it's just like like it's it's fine like that could have happened no one's going to say that didn't happen back in his earlier life um so i think that's good i i 
and I think that's one reason maybe why at first they were shying away from supporting characters and kind of identifying it so much with it. But um, I'm curious, Valerie, I want to kind of toss it back at you as like a reader. When you're reading a comic like Supernatural mm-hmm. or um, like I remember you recently you told me you were reading um, um, Power Rangers comics, yes. mm-hmm. which I found interesting. Um, like, do you see those as being canon with the the show? Or it depends you- entirely on the show and the series. Uh-huh. Power Rangers, because Power Rangers, as far as I know, has been off the air for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. They are doing crazy stuff with it, and it's yeah. great, and it's super fun because they're allowed to actually tell stories and have you know changes and do different things with the characters. The characters aren't stagnant. Yeah. They can continue to move forward and grow and tell new stories and have like big world shaking events. So I think the Power Rangers comics are really knocking it out of the park because they let those characters do that. Whereas like the supernatural ones I found to be very boring because they they had to be stagnant. They Mm -hmm. couldn't like work outside the status quo and they had to just like, okay, here's the story beats between season one and season two and this is where you have to fit it in, but you can't have any character growth because we might do that on the show and we don't, you know, and they just felt very one note and very boring to me. So it really depends. I think, like I said, Power Rangers, because Power Rangers is not on the air as far as I know anymore, Mm -hmm. at least the, the stuff that the comics are focusing on, they have the freedom to do that. Yeah. But that there are other like if you're if you're working within an existing IP that still has stories being told, then sometimes I think it can be kind of boring as a yeah. reader, depending on what what freedom the comic book creators are allowed yeah. to have. Yeah, 100 percent. And there's so many aspects that I can tell you kind of behind the scenes that that impact that like um, like you you hit a huge yeah. one on the head, like whether it, this is a franchise that's done, yeah. done and buried, they're not going to do any more of it. So you um, other than what you're doing with the comics. Right. So you can kind of go crazy or it's. um or it's still active. Like you said, it's still very popular. They're still putting it out. Like I know um, we have a friend who's worked on Stranger Things mm-hmm. comics and Doctor Who comics and stuff like that. And, and those are all very active franchises. Um, Stranger Things in particular, I'd imagine you'd be very limited in what you could do with that. Um, and um, and so that's a big, a big factor. The other factor is um, – um, kind of who the licensor is too. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not going to name names, but it's like clearly some, I, I, by my experience, some licensors have um, understood the comics medium better mm-hmm. than others and understood um, comics fans and yeah. readers um, better than others and um, and what works in one medium versus the other. And, and basically just um, what we can do, what we can offer um, and what, um, you know, and, and, and what we can't. And, and um, and some of some licensors I've worked with have been amazing. They've been great. They've been like you know kind of taking the attitude like you're the experts. This is your field. Yeah. Like we know the franchise. We'll make sure you don't you know get yourself in trouble with the story you're doing. Like you know they obviously sign off on everything, but they they very much took the back seat and said you know you um you tell the best stories in this world that comics can tell. Um, then we had others that really sort of micromanaged mm-hmm. and really and some of them were extremely difficult. One license. I worked with in particular was, I mean, it was giving me, they were giving me panic attacks. Oh, um, like, yeah, I remember um, um, when I was working on their book, I was uh, my, my boss at the time, my editor in chief at the time. And I came in and like on a weekend and we're kind of like, we'd been given ridiculous amounts of notes. And I'm like, there's no way I can turn, we can turn these around in enough time um, and by, to make the print deadline, but like this book needed to make its deadline. So he came in with me on the weekend and one by one, 
when we figured out how can we fix this? What can we, what's a solution for this? What can, I mean, it was a long day. Um, you know, um, I found out, I found out after the fact, um, people who know my history might be able to figure out at least which publisher this is. I found out after the fact, um, that, um, you know, like, yeah, like a, couple months later, a bunch of us were laid off, like the editorial <laughs> were laid off. And the reason he was so dependent on us, you know, insistent on me making that deadline is because this was going to be a big book and they was, he was hoping it would, it would, um, not save the company, at least keep Maybe things, keep you know, solvent for yeah. a while so that that wouldn't have to happen. And that was what he was hoping. And that's why he was like, and, but he felt bad about it because he couldn't tell me any of that. Yeah. And so he was just and right. then it didn't work anyway. Yeah. And then it didn't work anyway. <laughs> um, so anyhow, that was a, they were a very, now I'm proud of those comics. I will say this, have all, all things said, um, I look back on those particular comics as some of the better ones I've edited because in part, because the franchise was um, one that was very broad. I'll say this, but it was a fantasy franchise and, um, and with a much um, deeper existing well to draw yeah. from than The Witcher, for example, you know, and so. It, there was just, you could tell stories in all these different areas. So like, you're right. You couldn't tell stories because it's also still an active franchise. You couldn't tell stories um, that involve certain characters or certain timelines, certain points of it, because, um, because yeah, you, you could do something that conflicts with what they're going to do. But they had areas where like, this is just this fun little thing over here that happens every now and then. Um, and that we've kind of introduced. Um, do you want to tell a story about that? And then they gave us so much freedom into what sort of stories we wanted to tell That's in those areas. Cool. So it was a matter of knowing what you could get away with. Um, like one, I will uh, mention my name because I'm proud. I've done a lot of work with the Jim Henson company. And um, and I did some books with um, some, some Dark Crystal graphic novels with two different publishers. Publishers. And both of them were prequels um, because at the time they had a sequel in development. Yeah. So they're like, we can't do any sequels. You'll, yeah. you'll interfere with that. But um, but you could do and and you know, you could do you could work on a prequel and and especially if you set it in outside of this this kind of core storyline. And so that's kind of what we we did. We did eventually tell one that was um um, uh, um, a prequel story that I think was, I, I'm proud of that book, but it was conflict, you know, they did kind of conflict with it when they did the, the Netflix prequel. And that's where I get frustrated because I'm like, you, you gotta consider these canon. They will, I will say to, to their credit, um, one of the characters we created for the, the, the first graphic novel I worked on, this Skeksy character named the collector was actually in the, the Netflix that's prequel. Cool. Yeah. It was created by Barbara Kiesel on this, this book we did together and um and and um and they changed but they totally changed the character she was she, the, the, well, i'm saying she because it was voiced by aquafina but i think the skexies are supposed to be genderless um but this this character was totally different in the show than it was in the book but it at least had the same name and yeah. the same sort of gimmick and so i'm like okay um you know they at least included that as kind of a a canon skexy they just changed everything about that skexy so um so i at least appreciated that i thought that was kind of cool nice um, yeah but um but yeah you know like like up until then henson seemed to really be a a, a licensor that i i really enjoy and I, i'm not saying i didn't enjoy working with them after that but like they they seem to get it they seem to understand canon um like we one of the other books i worked on was a sequel to um, um labyrinth and I, I i in fairness i didn't start this series i kind of inherited it um but they were 100 percent like this is the official sequel to labyrinth yeah. this is it you know this is you you want it this is it you got to read it as a graphic novel and um, and so like they were always really kind of kind of big about that. And I know other um, 
people have done that. I know his he's he's problematic now, but Joss Whedon with yeah, his kind of Firefly Buffy. Had one. Yeah, they Buffy, had, yeah, yeah, you know, like kind of additional seasons Angel of Buffy did, and yeah. Angel and Firefly set after the show ended. And I think like when you do that, it's like it's like that's as you know, you I think you should be able to count that as canon because you're not going to get those seasons. So this is, you know. Yeah, every every adaptation, every comic that's worked off of an existing IP that I've liked, the common denominator is the show is done. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about the Gem and the Hologram comics. The, mm-hmm. the Gem and the Holograms one that came out, um, I don't know, like five years ago. What is time, guys? Yeah. They were fantastic. They were yeah. so good. And they took the existing characters and some of the existing storylines, but then modernized it. And I know you you knew like the original artist from it, and I don't mm-hmm. remember their was name. It, was it um, Sophie Campbell? Yes, Sophie yes. Campbell did amazing, yeah. amazing. No, she's great. Had different worked, body types. I've worked with like, her, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. She's trans, so I worked with her prior to that yeah. um, when she was Ross Campbell. But um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I've worked with Sophie Several times, just not recently. Yeah, she does amazing stuff. And her body, like... She actually drew a comic I wrote. Oh, nice. Sorry, sorry to keep interrupting. I'm going on a feminist (laughs) rant, Tim. You keep stepping (laughs) on it. I'm just a big Sophie Campbell fan. No, she's amazing. And I wanted to say, like, as a woman, like, growing up reading comics, you're used to seeing all, especially, like, X-Men in the 90s, every woman had the same effing body type. Mm -hmm. And Sophie does an amazing job of having characters that are curvy, that are tall. She has trans characters. She has cis characters, like, characters of different races characters with different nose you know like yeah. interesting facial features yeah. it's like not everybody's like cookie cutter pretty no I it's agree. great yeah. so and then they just she has the freedom as the artist to do that like yeah. there's nobody saying no this is how it looked 20 years ago 30 years ago mm-hmm. you have to match this template and i think just yeah it's it's really the ones that have worked the best for me are the ones where the show is maybe not running concurrently anymore and you have yeah. the freedom to play around a little bit more yeah, that's a good point. I think you could maybe get away with it with something like Doctor Who, which um, usually their episodes are relatively self-contained. Yeah. Um, like like if the show, I think, is more episodic than serialized, I think you can do it. Yeah. But like I said, I, I don't know how you do Stranger Things comics. It, yeah. It's something like The Witcher is kind of interesting in that, you know, the, the books are done. Yeah. I'm sure as far as Andrzej Sapkowski is concerned, the story's done. Um, so anything they do... That's set, you know, um, after his books or before his books or kind of in the midst of like the short stories, you know, when Geralt's just out adventuring and killing monsters is probably fine. Um, but um, but, you know, the games are still very much mm-hmm. active. And these the, these first ones came out, you know, around this game. And it's it's interesting now, you know, like. Um, I don't know what the later stories are, where they're set in the timeline, but if they're more set after the game and they really kind of are doubling down on this, that series of Witcher, and that's the the, the right ending, then, um, then, then, yeah, what do you do if when Witcher 4 comes out, it is post game i mean maybe that's it maybe it's it'll be it will be post game and she'll be a witcher in it if you know if she's in it at all if she's in it at all yeah it might not be post game we don't know but um but if it's um yeah if they are making a sequel to witcher 3 centered around siri maybe that's that's it maybe we know what the real ending is hmm. um i don't know i don't know what they've where they've come down on it but the fact that they're involved in this fact that they had writers writing this fourth story um who are part of cd project red you know, I mean, it seems like they would suggest that this is the this is the right one. Mm. Well, on that note, mm. I don't have anything else to add to you. Um, all right. So I have something I want to ask you. So 
yeah, knowing that there are more Witcher comics um, that are out there, I haven't read them yet. You have. Is this something you would like to see them continue? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see more Witcher comics. Yeah. I would like to. I'd like for them to have other people writing them. Yeah, to, like give other people a shot. I'd be curious to see what you know. Have a few more female writers working on things. Yeah, but, yeah. I would. I would read more for sure. So you think, you know, uh, even with the fact that this franchise is still going, there's a room for the comics. Oh, for sure. Also, like, how much is the franchise? I mean, we've already established that Netflix Witcher is kind of off doing its own thing. Yeah. So I don't think you are beholden to the laws of canon necessarily. And, like, you could argue that the games aren't even canon to the books. So Yeah, but I think you're beholden to the canon of the games if these are Yeah, if it's CD Projekt Red putting them out. Yeah. And I think that's what they've established. So I think you at least need to follow that canon. And, um... And I don't know. I, I want to see these as being a part of canon as well. Yeah. If they do introduce new characters um, and they're recurring or whatever, I would like to see, you know, and then then they also set a fourth game in this era. I would like to see those characters show up. Um, you know, like I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Vera show up in like a future yeah. game and them making a, oh, you know, like last time I saw you, you were still stuck in that, that <laughs> freaky house. Like I think that would be like, you know, just like, like a nice little Easter egg. Yeah. The way that they nod to the short stories yeah. and the, the the novels in the game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely am for it. I was curious what you thought. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll always take more Witcher content. So, you know, All right. not complaining about that. All right. Well, then with that, should we call it on this one? I think so. Okay. All right. Well, guys, thank you for listening. We will be back with another side quest soon. And, you know, until then, we'll see you all on the path. Cheers. Cheers. Whiskey with Witcher is a malcontent media production by Tim Beadle and Valerie Petrarca. Our producer is Sean Farina. For updates, picks, and behind-the-scenes shenanigans, Follow us on Twitter at WhiskeyWitcher and on Instagram at WhiskeyWithWitcher. Want to express your undying love for Roach or recommend a good whiskey? Email us at WhiskeyWithWitcher at Malcontent.media. Who knows? We might even get drunk enough to read your email in a future podcast. If you like what you've heard, toss us a proverbial coin by rating and reviewing this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribing wherever podcasts are downloaded. Cheers! Is it damn near rubbing out? No, it's... Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we could use this to... I was going to say hand sanitizer, but... Yeah, yeah disinfect our wounds yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know, I blame you. <laughs> um, I've decided I'm also definitely tasting leather on this one. You know, it's kind of leathery on the back end. Hmm. Just let me have my corn. Leather corn. <laughs> it's like corn, corn. It's like corn wrapped up in leather. All right. Wrapped up in leather and Listen smothered in Valerie corn to that P.O. box. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, babe. I'm like, I've, I know my way around some corn. Corn. I've shucked some corn, <laughs> corn in my day. Corn wrapped up in leather, doused with like 151 alcohol and lit on fire. And then you're <laughs> shooting that. That's what it's like. <laughs> and it gets two thumbs up for me. How the cursed or whatever was yeah weird, agree like agree yeah agree a hundred percent yeah you can was... put this in the blooper and just like beep out what <laughs> i said and that to me like agree agree can you believe <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then they <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Yeah. No, but like, I agree. I do agree. Like, it was just weird. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Like, she was a but like yeah, not what she was like, i mean I not in which in like in american cold yeah if you eat oh, you become a but that's not witcher cold that's not yeah, like polish yeah. yeah yeah and um but she could also like i don't at first i didn't realize that she was that other woman it yeah. just was so poorly told yeah um well it did like the part where yeah right <laughs> yeah